Hi, everyone. We wanted to really quickly just send our condolences out to everyone affected by Hurricane Ian and those families who have lost loved ones. Devastating storms amplified by anthropogenic climate change are some of the biggest threats to people, and this storm was no exception. We have resources in our link tree if you are interested in donating or volunteering. Yep, and we will be releasing an episode later on that will cover how states and countries and coastal communities can better prepare for storm surge and sea level rise resilience, so stay tuned. But for now, let's transition the conversation to today's episode topic. Hey, this is Lexi. This is Ari. And you're listening to Hotel Earth. Hi, we'd like to extend our stay and upgrade. How's everyone doing that intro music, huh? For me, it's given like 80s news channel, meet Stranger Things. I don't fucking know, but it's sick. That is exactly what I had in mind <laughs> when, I, <laughs> when I chose that song and sent it to you. I, yeah. I remember I was literally so excited when I sent it to Ari. I was like, yo, you gotta hear this yo, shit. Bro, check, check it, bro, check it. I'm so and proud of us. I'm really proud of us. And you know what? Ni- neither of us have any background in audiovisual anything. So no. for us to, to, to come up with that intro and outro music, I mean, hell, I'm proud of us. Quick <laughs> shout out to Gio for his assistance yeah. and shout out to Kai for pointing out that we needed music. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <obviously. laughs> oh, and we, knew, we just weren't there yet. Yes, 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 yes. Um, thank you both. And while we're on the topic of shout outs, I want to give a shout out to my stepbrother, Dan, who um, worked in radio for over 10 years. And he had given us so much great constructive feedback um, from our last episode. And we definitely tried to um, apply that to today's episode. So we're really looking forward to this one being better and each one after that. Um, So thank you, Dan. We both really appreciate it. Yes, thank you. And if anyone has feedback, again, gonna just throw it out every single episode. If you have feedback on what we can do better, topics you want to hear, questions Mm -hmm. that you need answered, just let us know. Simple as that. Let us know. We've got Instagram, Twitter, and the email. (laughs) And the email. And the email. Oh, I sound a hundred years old. Anyways, so let's, uh, let's talk about today's episode, Lex. Um, Today, everyone, we are talking about something called the circular economy. Some of you may have heard of the circular economy model, but if not, don't worry. You will learn a lot about it in today's episode. Yes. And I am personally very, very excited to talk about this for many reasons. One being that I'm a nerd. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the other is that more and more nations are moving toward this economic model and it needs to be more commonly known amongst all of us um, as the globe transitions. Right. And yeah, a lot of nations are. We are going to highlight those countries eventually. But before we jump in, we'd like to first tell y'all a bit about linear economy, which is the traditional model that most businesses use. 
and the one that we are comparing the circular economy model to. Go on, Lex, unveil the people. So the linear <laughs> economic model is your typical progression of production. It's how most businesses operate today and have operated historically. Yes. So a business will take raw resources, make them into a product. The consumer then throws the product away and the process repeats. The product may be a variety of things, a water bottle, a shirt, a plastic chair, the white ones, you know. <laughs> The ones that you like sit around a campfire in. Stop. I know exactly what you're talking about. And that is such a Florida thing. I feel like, like, fuck's sake. No, it's a Northeast. Honestly, it is such a Northeastern thing. I, I was really? a little worried that when I said this, it wasn't exactly going to illuminate the light bulb. No, but I'm, dude, I'm, I am picturing like, you know, the straight up and down 90 degree angle ones that are not comfortable yeah, and you can easily break the legs off of. And, you know, some families will use them as like outdoor decor. And I'm like, bitch, why? Tacky. You know what? I will give them this. Those motherfuckers hold up. Like, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure my aunt and uncle that have them, their chairs are older than I am. Like, <laughs> these bitches last. <laughs> these bitches last. That's amazing. But, you know, like the list continues. And in order to make these items like plastic white lawn chairs, you usually need to extract raw materials, mm -hmm. which could be precious metals like or I was gonna say like fossil fuels, but uh, those are not metals. <laughs> those are not metals. I, I don't think so. At least some can <laughs> some chemists, please alert me if I'm wrong. <laughs> but think precious metals, fossil fuels, palm oil, ellipsis. Dot, dot, dot. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. After the materials are extracted, you design the product and then distribute it around the world or wherever they're planning on selling the product. After that, consumers buy the product, use it, and eventually it becomes broken, finished, or no longer usable. After that, we typically chuck the product in the trash and we start the process all over again. So think, mm -hmm. take, make, dispose, repeat. That's the line. Exactly. So this is how most businesses, um, when you're, when you are, when we're talking about basic product production, this is how, this is the, the model. Historically, this has been the model and this is what most businesses are using today, but you can see how this model isn't sustainable, like at all. It requires the consistent exploitation of finite resources, a short product life and the disposal of precious materials without much thought. It's inefficient, both economically and environmentally, and not to mention incredibly wasteful. Which brings us to a different approach. The mm. topic of today's episode and the formidable opponent to the linear economy, the circular economy. Dun, dun, dun. In, in this corner, <laughs> in this corner, we have a model of production and consumption. Mm. where product design reduces waste, uses less materials, and allows products to be less resource intensive while also recapturing waste as a resource to manufacture new materials and products. Can you guys just let that sink in? Like, do you hear the flaw? Because I don't. God, that just sounds sexy as fuck. Whew. Doesn't it? I'd bet my money on that one every time. And while it may seem like a clear no-brainer approach to use, no country has fully implemented this model yet. 
A few countries are making huge strides to use this approach, however, and we will talk about them shortly. But first, let's cover the process flow of a circular economy. Lex, take the reins. Prepare to turn this trot into a canter. The beginning of this process flow is fairly similar to the linear. The li- that is a really hard word for me to say. Is, so if I mess it up, don't come okay. for me. That's okay. The linear, linear. economy. <laughs> linear. The linear Lama. economy model described previously. I'm gonna just start that sentence over because okay. I think I I tripped myself up. That's quite all right. <laughs> Prepare to turn this trot into a canter. The beginning of this process flow is fairly similar to the linear economy model described previously. However, the main goal of a circular economy is waste not. Mm-hmm. Another large difference is the model shape. It's a circle, not a line. Meaning, oh, really? Oh, really? <laughs> so this basically boils down to meaning that step one is not always where the circular economy model starts. And this is going to make more sense in a minute. Let's get into it. Looking at the model, the flow could start with extract resources from the earth. This would apply only in cases where the resources are not already extracted. For instance, plastic is not something we always need to manufacture new as we already have a fuck ton of it at our (laughs) fingertips and in our oceans. Exactly. Then we create ideas for use. Here we reimagine the material's life. We think about the product from a cradle to grave approach. So instead of taking a brand new plastic to make it into a single use water bottle that will get pitched, we could use the recycled plastic, we could use recycled plastic to make a reusable water bottle that can be recycled at the end of its life and refurbished into something else. And this is just a small potato example, but you get the gist. After we've decided on the idea for use, the materials are then used to manufacture into a product. Once we have the good made, it's time to distribute said product, and that can be locally, nationally, globally, whatever that looks like. I think now is a great time to point out that if you are a visual learner, we do have this process flow diagrammed on a lovely graphic for your viewing pleasure. Check it out. I promise it will have you saying to yourself, damn, that is a good model. Well, I fucking hope so, Lex, because I worked (laughs) for hours on that bitch. My graphic design skills are coming together, but fuck, like it sure takes a long time. Hey, it's, you would never know. It looks effortless. I appreciate that. Okay. So at this point in the process flow of the circular economy, Um, Lex has gone over how we've got the material for production, hopefully from post-consumer materials, um, but if not raw material extraction. We've designed a product and they've been distributed to become available for purchase. So following right along, after the products are distributed, consumers buy the product and use it until it's over or no longer usable. So here in this point of the process flows where you, you really see the distinction between the linear model and the circular economy model. And that is where consumers take responsibility and you you as a consumer need to consider the next steps for the item. Is it repairable? Is it reusable or repurposable? All options should be considered here before determining to dispose of it. Okay, so this is, again, this is where it differs from the linear economic model because here is typically where you'd be chucking it into the trash for residual waste. Right, and this, this point of the process should be made easier because the people who have designed it in the first place 
yes. are thinking already, okay, how is the consumer going to Yes. take this product at the end of its life cycle. So this shouldn't be super brain intensive. Yes, exactly. That was a very good point. So obviously, yes, responsibility is on the consumer, but the responsibility is also hundred percent on the manufacturing process as well for the product to be more easily able to be repaired, reused, or repurposed. Right. Yes. Moving along. So now let's talk about the disposal of the product once it's been used. So we know at this point that we individually cannot repair, reuse, or repurpose the item. We've already explored those options. So for disposal, can we recycle it? Is there a facility that will take the item to reuse it in their process? This point in the process is crucial and conveniently leads us to the collection of used materials. So different facilities want and will want most of these items mm -hmm. because they are at the end of the day, precious resources. Right. An example that some people may be familiar with is the collection of used cooking oil. So used cooking oil can be repurposed into biofuel, animal feed ingredients, um, as well as several common household or commercial products like paints or solvents, things like that. Note that the collection is not a means to landfill the product. This is the point where most items actually start their next life, not end it, essentially closing the loop. That is how we close the circular economic loop. For those items that truly cannot start over or can't be repurposed or repaired, whatever that may be, they may at this point be thrown into residual waste landfills. Circling back, <laughs> recycled materials get used as materials for new products and continue through the loop repeatedly, which will help us skip the extraction of raw materials and reduce our landfill waste. Yep. So you can see here that the circular economic model essentially takes what resources have already been extracted from the earth, requires a reimagining of the of product design to use these post-consumer materials rather than extract new ones, and hopefully continue through the loop and decrease overall waste and extraction of new raw materials. When we consider the traditional linear economic model, we see how careless the steps are because essentially it's we extract produce, distribute, use, throw away, repeat. So let's leave that bitch in the past. Let's glow up. Come on now. And what a glow up it will be. Like <laughs> picture my glow up from age 10 to 24. Oof. Oh my Maybe. God. <laughs> I'm glad that that image is <laughs> fresh and in the forefront no. of your mind right now. <laughs> you, you don't understand. I'm laughing because people that know me pretty closely know that my my age 10 to age 24 uh let's say physical changes <laughs> are quite um are quite uh memorable let's let's put it like that <laughs> maybe we're gonna have to make a post just to uh really emphasize the difference that we're talking about here um that that's going to take some thinking for me. I'm not sure if I'm ready to share. You know what? Fuck it. Let's all share say, our picture. You know what? I'm a confident say, girl. Let's just share it. Whatever. Whatever. I was say, I'm sure I could convince you too after a couple glasses of red wine. You're going to be like, this not is even. a great idea. This I is a great idea. Why. I don't even know why I was like, thinking, this isn't a good idea before. This is great. <laughs> so going back to the topic. <laughs> Let us not venture too far from the bath. Let us not venture too far. There really, really are so many research-based benefits to adopting a circular economy. You bet your sweet arse there are. 
Ours. <laughs> Globally, implementing a circular economy is crucial to the climate progressivism narrative and lowering our ecological footprint. Calling it back to middle school storyboards, circular economy is part of our climax and falling action, the turning point in our narrative, and our stabilizer. If we can't manage to find a better use of our already extracted materials, we will overexploit and deplete all of our natural resources. And quite frankly, this is the path that we're on. To boot, there is a large carbon footprint difference between reusing materials that have already been extracted versus extracting new materials from the planet. The 2021 Circularity Gap Report by Circular Economy Publications suggests that by implementing circular economy principles globally, we could reduce up to 30% of our global greenhouse gas emissions by 2032. Wow. Yeah. This would have a large impact on areas where they are exploited not only for their resources, but also for their nation's lax and or non-existent pollution regulations. Although even those with regulations also tend to foot this bill. Mm-hmm. This is the reality, honestly, of devastating consequences the linear economic model has. Um, raw material extraction is a messy endeavor, even in places where regulations do exist. You know, I'm looking at you, America. Let's all recall the protests surrounding the Dakota Access Pipeline. Um, we can, we all can think of an example of either extraction or disposal that caused catastrophic environmental and humanitarian consequences. If you'd like another example, how about the Deepwater Horizon uh, BP Gulf of Mexico oil spill? Um, According to the EPA, even more than 10 years later, we are still restoring the environment and communities affected. Though you may think that you have not directly experienced the effects firsthand of the linear economy model, we assure you that you have. (laughs) And um, you should know that it's happening which is part of the reason why Lex and I are here. And aside from global environmental and humanitarian benefits, research also suggests that it is economically beneficial to adapt a circular economic model. According to research from Accenture, the circular economy offers a $4.5 trillion with a T dollar global economic opportunity by reducing waste, stimulating innovation for product design and use, and generating employment across the globe. Not just in a nation, just, you know, Mm -hmm. the whole sphere, the sphere, the sphere, new business models focused on reuse, repair, remanufacturing, and sharing models offer significant innovation opportunities. Yes. And there is so much room for growth and opportunity here, but let me say that we don't want to pretend that many of these economic benefits won't take time. Like obviously, of course they will. No shit. No shit. But approaching these opportunities with a long-term lens is vital to the survival of the human race. I'm not trying to sound too dire or daunting here, but it's or true. Or existential. Or existential. But um, I, I, do, I do wonder, have you guys ever heard of long-termism? I have not. I, okay, so I didn't think so, but I recently heard- <laughs> She said, not, you're not a dumb to, bitch. No, so. no, because oh, I, I, no, it's not, about, it's because I, I had never heard of it. And I, I listened to Sam Harris's Making Sense podcast and one of his guests, or maybe it was himself, I can't quite recall, but they brought up this idea of long-termism and I really resonated with it. And I wanted to bring it up on this podcast because it is a philosophical perspective that says at least one of the key priorities of humankind's time on earth is to make the long-term future of humanity go well. 
you know, if you think about it, this ideology really is embedded in our biology, isn't it? Like we all want our species yeah. to succeed and be natural selection. That's like empathy uh, right there. Yeah. I think. So, uh, yeah. I mean, empathy is part Someone of it. Someone let think. us know. Someone let no, us I think, know. No, I mean, no, I mean, I think empathy is part of it because you kind of have to be able to feel for other people outside of yourself and for future generations. I definitely right. think empathy is part of it. But if you think about it, this is the ultimate goal of all living beings. So as more businesses and consumers adopt circular models and policies that incentivize their adoption, we will begin to see the economic benefits more clearly for not only our generation, but generations to come. That makes a lot of sense. I think Kendrick Lamar in this moment would say it's in our DNA. <laughs> Wait, can you like wrap it like he would? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I would not embarrass myself like that on this podcast. No, thank you. Well, you, you already pulled out the Milo accent earlier, so I, we're already fucked. Sometimes it just slips out, man. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> I'm sorry, laugh break. Um, <laughs> but going back to the long-termism approach where it's, you know, essentially where you should have empathy and care for future generations. This brings me back to a memory, um, an anecdote rather, that I can remember having a conversation with my own grandfather, Grandpa Jack, may he rest in peace. When I first started college about environmental issues and the requirement of humans in general to do better for future generations. And his response was literally, why should I care? I'll be dead. It's just so, it's so familiar. You know, it the, shouldn't yeah, be funny, I, but like the number the of times reason, I've heard people say this is comical. It's not, I'm not laughing because it's, it's outrageous what he said. I'm laughing because I literally can't help but think that my grandfather was not isolated in this way of thinking. And I imagine many people share this sentiment. It, it would know, be I, sh- yeah, it would be shitty to live thinking that your only concerns should be limited to yourself. And, you know, no shame to Grandpa Jack, because I don't <laughs> think that when people say that, they realize the consequence of right. those like questions and statements right right but weren't we all taught to share and be kind to others sure it can be hard to imagine our lives and choices impacting others but like it's already happening we don't have to imagine it it is occurring on the day-to-day mm-hmm. and don't we also all want to live our best lives that i do that requires others living with us in mind too we have to remember our core message here is treat earth like a five-star hotel, which means that we may individually check in and check out, but we need to care about future generations and occupants. In the grand yeah. scheme, approaching life with a bit more gentleness and intentionality, I think we got this. I know we got this. I mean, exactly. Let's be nice. Let's have some compassion. It feels good to care about something, like for fuck's sake. <laughs> Jesus. Like, <laughs> You don't have to be going around wondering what the fuck's my purpose here. Like this model that we're explaining is not without its challenges. We know we all wish it was that easy to snap our fingers and suddenly have a completely circular global economic model, but it's not all impossible. It is feasible. And I think the more we think through potential um, potential obstacles, the easier the change becomes. We're advocating for this this paradigm shift of economic models. Redesigning business practices allows us to produce better quality products, resource materials, reconstruct product design, 
reimagine products lifecycle and completely rethink how consumers will use a product. And, you know, a, a lot of case studies already exist on how to overcome these challenges. Like Ari and I didn't have yeah. to sit here and rack our brains about how to do it. Someone else already did the hard work yes. for us. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, historically, most businesses follow a linear economic model as we've talked about and requiring the deconstruction and redesign of their business practices is well you know quite the fucking challenge but Mm -hmm. who doesn't take a puzzle and like we said the blueprints are out there it's just a matter of following instructions which I would imagine most people are pretty capable of doing and luckily some really brilliant people exist like you and Ari (laughs) (laughs) I have faith in humanity now Going back to your point about can most people follow directions, that's debatable. I know many smart people who have issues with reading a manual, but but yes, yeah, so businesses will all, will need to rethink their marketing strategies and use of their products as we make this transition. We all know at the end of the day, a business needs to generate profit, otherwise not quite a successful business. Nah. Um, but instead of asking your customers, for example, to throw away your product and buy more, a business really needs to make a product of such high quality that you develop a more loyal customer base rather than relying on the fact that your product will eventually shit out and they'll have mm-hmm. to come back and buy more. So, you know, one, one thing that I've consistently read about when talking, when, when like we're trying to see how businesses can transit, can transition to a circular economic model, perhaps adopting the concept of licensing goods and products rather than owning them. Yeah. So like, it's like sending the broken or finished product back to the manufacturer to be repaired or reused for something else. Personally, I have a pair of refurbished wireless headphones and they are frankly the cat's meow. <laughs> the cat's meow. <laughs> I too yeah. am using a secondhand um, iPhone and no one has ever questioned my coolness. I promise no, people. Absolutely cool. not. I am the coolest cat. The coolest. Okay. <laughs> I don't know Ari, wait, oh, wait for it. Ari is the cat's pajamas. <laughs> what <laughs> i don't even know what that is google it um okay everyone go google i promise people you'll survive without having the newest best must have item i promise you'll make it it's okay yeah we understand that this whole redesign process also poses challenges for you the consumer yeah it's we're we're not saying that this is like an easy way to just change your mind about things I mean when I bought my headphones I thought for sure like they're gonna crap out but here I am two years later and I'm not kidding they're probably better than they were when I bought them that's actually a lie they're probably just as good I mean and yes I am a young woman in her 20s who you know, I, I experienced like trying to keep up with the trends. It's like, I get it. Like, and so yeah. obviously, I mean, every people who know me personally or closely know that I also used an iPhone eight until like a month ago um, for like four Actually. or five years. And so it's like, whatever, someone might make a comment about it, but you get over it. like whatever, like if something's not broken or doesn't need repair, you don't need to chuck it how we dispose of, of those specifically. Yeah. You, you bring me right to it. We have to rethink how we use a product and how we dispose of it or better yet, what we can do before we come to the conclusion of disposal. Can you fix it? Does it really need to be thrown out? Can you repurpose? This goes back to our last episode where we talked about what it means to be an environmentalist. It's mindfulness at every step, guys. So here you go. You find yourself using a product and normally you just throw it away or buy a replacement, whatever that may be. Well, this time pause, ask yourself if it's really time to dispose. 
We'd like to highlight the countries that are doing their best to implement a circular economy despite the above challenges. I read about most of these in Sustainability Mag, but followed up my research by checking out the specific countries' publications as well. And first up, shock, the Netherlands. <laughs> Those motherfuckers are always doing it right. Or they're fucking better. Anyways, it's the Netherlands um, aims to become 100% built on circularity by 2050, according to their national agreement on the circular economy. Overachievers. That's incredible. 100% circular, like, fuck. I really um, hope, I really hope they, they do it. I, and you and I will be alive, hopefully, God willing, God to, <laughs> in, 2050, say. <laughs> in 2050 to see. We will hold them accountable. I will fly there myself. To achieve this 100% circularity goal, the Netherlands approved a series of transition plans in 2018 and later in 2019 materialized those plans in the form of innovative pro projects and regulations. Um, example given the requirement for government buildings to be built using as many recycled materials and resources as possible, in addition to them having to be built with zero emissions. The Dutch government also aims to reduce 50% of the use of resources by 2030. 50 percent i'm just flabbergasted by 2030 y'all that's in like what seven, seven and a half years. years less yeah <laughs> Something less like, less remember this let's let's all let's let's well i want to see this i want to see this reduction of 50 percent. i hope that this audio ages well like fine wine now we're gonna fly over to france <laughs> so the french were actually the first to ban the destruction of unsold products that's, so companies in France are literally required to reuse, donate, or recycle their unsold products. And it's accountability more than anything. And this yeah. includes food, by the way, which oh, is probably one of the biggest waste. Well, it's not the biggest, but it is a large waste stream. Just It's a large waste people. stream in it. And I, I forget the statistic, but it's something like up to 40% of the like the produce we grow gets chucked before it even is able to be marketed like just because it's ugly or like isn't the right sh like shape or size something like that it's, it's We're going to google it and we'll we'll let you know if Ari's right. France has pioneered a mandatory repairability index on electronic and electric products. That's also pretty incredible. So like, yeah. you know, let's uh, really toot their fucking horns right now. The country adopted the anti-waste law in 2020, aiming to eliminate waste, reduce pollution, and transform the system of production, distribution, and consumption to a circular economic model. Does Ari have an answer? I do. Let's um, hear it. Food waste is estimated between 30 and 40% of the food. Supply. So you are right on the mark. And right who, who, uh, who is the source? Sourced from USDA.gov, baby. We, we fucking love to see a good work cited page. Oh my God. Mm, mm. One of the goals outlined actually uh, by the French is the phasing out of single use plastic packaging too. But finally... Let's let's move on to my beloved Italy. Um, shaking my damn head. Lexi is shaking her head. Like if I could, if I could make love to a country, it'd be Italy. It would be Italy. I fucking love that place. Anyway, according to the Rapporto sull'economia circolare in Italia, which is the National Circular Economy Report for Italy, issued in 2020 by the Italian Foundation for Sustainable Development. 
Italy is an impressive leading country when it comes to successfully achieving a fully circular economic model. So I have good reason for being obsessed with this country, don't I? Eh? But notably, Italy's 2020 budget law has given the green light for the establishment of a public investment fund to encourage new projects in sustainability, circular economy, sustainable tourism, uh, decarbonization, and climate change mitigation. Uh, this fund includes over 4 billion euro to implement a public investment program between 2020 and 2023. So like which, now. So it's happening right, right now. now. This, this three-year period um, involves guarantees um, being granted for investment programs, also as part of public-private partnerships, aiming all aiming to develop the circular economy and mitigate the risk um, deriving from climate change, among other goals. It's one thing to see scientists and scholars talking about these topics, but it's a whole other ball game when you actually get it written into nation's regulations. Exactly. And we like they really of, put the pen to the paper. Yes. And this is Lex and I talked about this in our last episode um, briefly, where it's like kind of goes with that, uh, that greenwashing kind of topic, which that usually applies more to marketing. But in political campaigns, um, I, I, I can't speak on behalf of the rest of the world, but in the U.S., it's very common for like a, a politician to just be like, oh, and you know, we're going to fight climate change. And they say it in the beginning, and they never do a fucking damn thing. And so this right. is really, this really, they're putting their money where their mouth is. They are literally. writing, I mean, literally, I mean, a public investment fund, that's, it's mind blowing. I, I don't, I'm not entire. I don't think any other country has done this. Maybe not. I, that's one thing we, we didn't, this is not an exhaustive list. These are not the only three countries right. that are right. making These strides were, towards the circular economic model. Just examples. Yeah. Precisely. And, you know, despite the challenges faced, countries are, besides the, these three, countries are leading innovative ideas to make this shit happen. Forget not, though, there is the responsibility on the individual consumer. As we covered, change is driven by us. Go listen to episode one if you want a recap or a lick of motivation. Do it. The change we drive is not just for the future's benefit, though. We also reap what is sown right now. I can think of a couple ways right off the rip how we as individuals capitalize on circular economy-centered efforts. The first is cost efficiency, and the second is community building. All right, go off. So when I'm buying a product, two ways to save money come to mind. The first is, can I get this from the thrift store or buy a refurbished one? And the second is, is there an alternative investment piece? And by investment piece, I mean an alternative to something that is sold with the intent to be pitched and replaced often, yep. like a plastic razor, for instance. I like or so. Yeah, I figured you would. I figured you would. <laughs> we had a long discussion about razors a couple of years ago. So this is actually full circle right here. Um, for some quick maths, I spent $80 in July of 2020 for one stainless steel razor and 20 replacement blades to purchase a new plastic razor handle and replacement blade heads, which I would need about 15 to get me from July, 2020 to now that would have cost me $82 and 44 cents. And this razor that I bought will last me plenty more years. And I will only need to buy new blades and those cost about 25 cents a blade. That's really awesome. And I can think of a few more examples that fit into the circular economy model or the circular model rather and save you money in the long run. 
such as silicone or metal straws, um, reusable cotton rounds for like makeup removal, Mm -hmm. silicone menstrual cups to replace tampons. And trust me, those expenses add up. So buying something that can help you, that might seem like an investment at first that will save you money long-term is totally worth it. It is. And I'll tell you what, ladies and people that succumb to the pink tax, it is real and it is expensive. And, you know, those products that can't be bought secondhand or need to be replaced on a more frequent basis, I'm going to try and buy a version that is at least the least linear, meaning it has less packaging, like a shampoo or conditioner bar, which I'm a sucker for. I am too. I love a shampoo and conditioner bar. They're really, they're really good quality and it's like really, really good for your hair. Did you like the one that you used the other weekend of mine? I did. I really okay. enjoyed that. I meant to ask and there's you. and the shave, the shave, um, shaving the shave bars. Bar. Yeah. That, that really good stuff, guys. And it lasts forever. I mean, that those things last like what, like 90 days or something? More than that. Yeah. More than that. Because so for actually going a little off on a, ta- a tangent here, the shampoo bar that you used last weekend, I bought before I came to see you in Italy. Okay, dude, that's four months. That's four uh, so months. So I've I've had that shampoo bar since May. And we both have a lot of hair. So for us to say <laughs> that they last a long time, we, we mean it. It lasts a long time. You girls it really and does. guys, check out shampoo and conditioner bars. Stop sleeping on them. They are good. They're good products to use. Facts. All right, back to what I was saying. So yeah. when I think of things that are the least linear, um, they're going to have less packaging. They might be made of post-consumer materials, or they might even be compostable when I finish using it. Yeah. Doesn't the package free shop actually carry a lot of products that would fit into a circular economy model? They do. They also provide extensive product information. And this is also not an ad. Um, but they include information like what to do with the product when you're finished and how to mm. dispose of it. Um, or even repurpose it, they also let you know what the product is an alternative to, so what it replaces. That's awesome. So they basically tell you how to close the loop with each product. Essentially. Fucking love that. That's awesome. (laughs) And some items can even be composted, which actually leads me into how we benefit from the community building that a circular economy creates. I know where you're going with this. You're thinking of community gardens, aren't you? I I am. (laughs) You read my mind. Places like community gardens offer opportunities for us to build support systems while simultaneously reducing our personal waste streams. Also, you'll be adopting effective altruism into your lifestyle, which will make you feel like a better human overall. And if you don't know what effective altruism is, there's a machine called Google, and I suggest you (laughs) (laughs) And also... To your point, I did hear that being a better human stops hair loss and premature aging. (laughs) I may need to check my sources, but it it will for sure make you feel good. That I know for sure. Now that we all know what a circular economy is, some challenges that we face in the transition, the benefits to adopting it for both the collective and the individual, and example countries trying to close the loop, we find ourselves holding the proverbial ball. So we want to know, How can you, fellow listeners, help close the loop? We will be posting your responses on our Twitter and Instagram this coming week and may even be trying them out ourselves. Yeah, I'm definitely interested in hearing some of the the tips and and feedback and responses that you guys give. It could even spark some ideas for Lex and I. That is for sure. And if you want to know where you can go to answer this question, it's actually on our Spotify. And if you don't listen on Spotify, Please feel free to send your 
suggestions through Instagram, Twitter, yeah. or even email. Any and the email. And, the and email. you know what too? We can actually post a QA on um, Instagram too. So if what that's, a great idea. Yeah. So we can repost those directly onto that platform as well. Fabulous. Fabulous. Well, guys, I think that pretty much wraps it up for, for today. Yeah, I would say we've we've uh, made a full circle here. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> Ciao for now, guys. Hasta la pizza. Bye bitches. Bye bitches. <laughs>